This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Hello, podcast world of the internet, uh, and welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Laura, and depending on when you uh, are listening to this, I am either Craig's fiance or I am his wife. And I'm Susanna, and regardless of what time it is, I am Andrew's wife because we've been married for a while. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're today going to talk about the book uh, Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, Laura, have you ever read or do you know anything about Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert? I do. I think I read it uh, when it came out in its first round of hubbub. Mm -hmm. uh, Circa 2006. Yeah, about 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I had not. Um, I only just read it for the first time. I am going to be the primary on this one because Laura is getting married in a week and a half and it seemed unkind to make her read a 300 page book uh, in the midst of all of that. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. There's a lot of paper yeah, no in my life right now and none of it is a, a book. Most of it's like programs and escort cards (laughs) (laughs) it's fine you're gonna be married soon and then you can read as much as you want and you will be amazed at how much free time you have believe me it's gonna be great i hope that's true because i also have a work event about a month after the wedding so it's gonna be fine you're gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine i promise i know it doesn't (laughs) seem that way right now but everything's gonna be great i have no fear that everything (laughs) will eventually be fine be fine yes Um, So, what do you know about Elizabeth Gilbert, Laura? Well, I did a wee bit of research on the internet. Um, Cool. But before I did that, um, I actually knew a random fact about her, and I don't actually know why I knew this. Okay, Um, cool. She, prior to Eat, Pray, Love, uh, had been a magazine and newspaper journalist freelancing, um, and she wrote an article for GQ magazine. Uh, called The Muse of the Coyote Ugly. Yes. Okay. So I also did some research (laughs) and my absolute number one favorite fact that I learned about Elizabeth Gilbert is that the movie Coyote Ugly is based on her life. That's the best thing. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) I don't know if you know this about me, Laura, but I own a copy of the DVD of Coyote Ugly. Oh, you can't fight the moonlight, Susanna. Uh, You cannot fight it. I said that to Craig earlier, and he looked at me like I had foreheads. I know. Like, they just don't understand. The only reason I own it is because the video store in my hometown was closing, and they were selling everything for a dollar. And so now I own That's a steal. It really is. It was sad that they were closing. It was a cool video store, but like, you know, Netflix. So there's nothing you can do about that. Well, we should watch Coyote Ugly. The next I love time. Coyote Ugly. We are in the same. It has Tyra space. Banks in it. 
Yes, it, has it does. Tyra, like pre-America's Next Top Model Tyra Banks, yeah. which is a big deal. And she's like aggressive in that movie. She, yeah. She's in she's it for like 15 minutes. She's all over the place. Absolutely she is. For, I don't know why she's there, but I'm really happy that she is. And like Maria Bello for some reason. It's mm-hmm. a classic piece of cinema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She plays Lil, the owner of the bar. Right. And, um, so and if I you guess read I'll... the article in GQ, um, which you can find online, um, even though it's like not a recent like, article right it's like 15 years old um you can learn more about lil and the the character that started coyote ugly so who apparently elizabeth... did a rival bar across the street that awesome. she didn't like <laughs> so the elizabeth gilbert character i assume is like the the whatever her name is Piper uh, Piper Parabu? yeah um peekaboo street I, th- I think so it's basically the article um skimming through it basically talks about how she started working there and talks about like her regulars and the other women who worked at the bar. Um, so while I don't think Elizabeth Gilbert, um, made her, uh, I guess, uh, place at the bar by singing with a jukebox, like <laughs> what is her Piper Paraboo's her real name? What's her character's name? Oh, I have absolutely no idea. None whatsoever. Mm. Oh, they call her Jersey. That's her bar name is Jersey. Oh, right. Something. And her dad works in a toll booth. Right. Because she um. lived in Jersey. <laughs> but I don't remember her actual name. Yeah. So it's she she earns her spot by singing along with the jukebox because she wants to be a, right. a musician. I don't believe that Elizabeth Gilbert harbored feelings about wanting to become a singer songwriter. Right. I think that was embellishment for the sake of the movie so they could like work in Leanne Rhymes. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Because why wouldn't you? If you had the option. I also found out that Elizabeth Gilbert grew up on a Christmas tree farm, which is adorable. Yeah. Did you know that her favorite holiday is not Christmas, though? That's not surprising. I did not know that. Do you know what her favorite holiday is? Halloween. Okay. Cool. That's kind of a... That's it was in like of... a 10 fun facts about Elizabeth <laughs> Gilbert article I found. Awesome. Um, so, so Elizabeth Gilbert went on a... Uh, self-finding mission in 2004-2005 and Eat, Pray, Love was the result of that uh, trip which was published in 2006. Um, She was a journalist and I believe she was like sort of on assignment which was why she was allowed to make this trek. Um, It is not Wikipedia says that it was a publisher's advance that helped finance her travels. Yeah, because... I don't I think in 2006 pre-recession I think people were more indulgent of this kind of like rich person's odyssey thing um I, I don't know I only just read it and I found myself to be not incredibly indulgent of her whole like let me go on an incredibly exotic expensive thing because I can do that you, do you know what I mean yeah I think it's been referred to as like privilege lit or yeah. privilet um like you know because she has this really successful uh writing career she's able to get all these thousands of dollars to right. go flit about other continents right and finding herself after her marriage has fallen apart right so Uh, not everybody whose relationships fall apart uh (laughs) get that opportunity exactly so like in her early 30s her marriage fell apart um with uh some disastrous consequences you know the she never names her husband in the book i think his name is michael cooper or something like that and he actually published like a rebuttal of her 
claims against him, I think, post Eat, Did Pray, he Love. really? Yeah. I, well, okay, maybe, he, or no, it was he was going to, and then it got canceled, like, unsurprisingly, because no one cares. Um, he, like, she, she's pretty kind to him in the book, you know, she doesn't, like, badmouth him or anything, but it's definitely implied that he was very unfair to her during their divorce settlement. You know, it, that's all really hard to say if that's true or not. Um, but it sounds like she sank into a pretty deep depression, um, both during and after her divorce. She um, took up with a new boyfriend pretty quickly afterwards who, like, I, it seems like one of those relationships where, like, they when they were good, they were really good. And then when she, like, had some depression, anxiety issues, he, like, pieced on her. Which, like, to me, kind of negates anything good about that relationship, because what's the point if he's going to peace when things aren't so easy? Yeah, what's the point of being in a relationship yeah. if they're not there for the relationship part? Right, <laughs> right. Like, the hard stuff, like grown-ups do. Yeah. Um, but she was, like, super tied up with him and, like, super um, unable to extract herself from her emotions regarding him for... Um, pretty much like the first two thirds of this book, which is the span of about like uh, eight months, because it's it's um, cause she's gone for basically a year, right? A year, yeah. She spends um, four months in three different countries, and she's still pretty hung up on him. Well into the second like section of this of this book, which I like. I don't know. I've been married for a while. I've been in a relationship with the same person for like 10 years. So it's hard for me to like <laughs> to to really like understand what that's like as like an early adult to to be dealing with that kind of thing because I just haven't dealt with that since I was in college and it's just a different world out there, I guess. But I just don't get it. Like nothing about this person sounds appealing to me, but she was really hung up on him. So that was yeah, tough for her. I think I mean obviously breakups are hard. That's yes. why they're called breakups, because yes. breaking is generally a bad thing. Um, I bet now, like if you read interviews with her, well, she is in a good relationship now, yeah. or at least a longer standing, better relationship than yeah. her previous ones, um, that she probably has some regret about who she chose to put right. all of that time and energy into. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, you think Definitely. like, oh, if I had married that guy from high school or, <laughs> you know, whatever, life would be really different. But you chose not to put your energy and love towards that person for a particular reason. So yeah. I think everybody kind of has, even in smaller amounts than maybe she expresses in this book, uh, the idea of kind of regret of mm -hmm. spending so much energy on people who maybe don't deserve that energy. Sure. And I do, uh, I do find it pretty brave that she, how much detail she went into that. Cause obviously when she was finishing this book, she was finished with that relationship and it would have been easy for her to have pretended that it wasn't as big a deal to her in at the time as it clearly was. So, you know, that, yeah. I think that's, you know, uh, very truthful of her. Um, so she went on this trip when she was like 34, 35. She turned 35 over the course of this trip. Um, post 
so after she had published Eat, Pray, Love, and it was a huge success um, and being made into a movie and everything, she wrote a second book called Committed, which was about getting remarried despite her misgivings to the fellow that she meets on the... Not Javier Bardem. Right. Um, the Javier Bardem character, who I understand is not quite as good looking as Javier Bardem, but like <laughs> that would not be reasonable because who is? Um, and it's called Committed, which I did not read, but um, this I didn't kinda, read that either. No, I don't think as many people did. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is there there is a book which is linked on her website, ElizabethGilbert.com, which she did not write, uh, but it is called Eat, Pray, Love, Made Me Do It. Yeah, I actually read an article <laughs> about that today. Yeah. Um, like, she wrote the intro for it. Sure. Why not? Just, I mean, I, I didn't, I mean, I kind of got the gist of it just from the title, which seems to be like people going on quests for self-fulfillment because they had read these this book. I'm not sure so much as quests as, um, there was an art, the article that I read today was in uh, 5280, the Denver Magazine website um that was a Q&A with her that basically said for the last like decade she and her publicist and her team have heard like countless stories and received tons of letters of uh how Eat Pray Love inspired them to learn something about their own lives and whether mm-hmm. that's that their job is a bad fit or a relationship is not a is not the correct one for them or it's not healthy for them or um, that they're, they need to make a change, whatever that change may be big or small, that it kind of helped them realize that and they could make the changes from that. Um, And she said that they received uh, when they decided to do the book, they received more than 2000 essays submitted and the book is like 50 of them or, or Mm -hmm. maybe a few more than 50. um, And that, kind of seems like these are more quote unquote real people stories as sure. opposed to being someone who got the couple thousand hundred thousand dollars to go right. traversing the world for a year. Yeah. It might have been, you know, the woman who realized that the relationship she was in was not a good one and she needed to leave and never Need go back. Need to make some major changes. Yeah. yeah. Which can be hard to do when you're, you know post a certain age which is right. or, or I need to old, quit my job and I have nowhere else right. I don't have another thing to go to but this yeah. job is so unhealthy for me or it's unsafe or who knows or this is um, just not the right place for me to be in and yeah. that can be a hard thing to realize yeah um yeah um, so she currently lives in New Jersey with her husband that she met on this vision quest have you um, ever met her you live in New Jersey <laughs> she lives in what French town or something I actually have no clue where that is I have not met her um which is super disappointing I didn't know she lived in New Jersey I thought she still lived in Bali which you know that's just me projecting I guess maybe um, they have a vacation home in Bali I like at the end of eat pray love they intended to split their time four ways between the United States and Australia and Brazil and Bali, which like sounds completely exhausting. So I think they might have given that up after a few years. And decided of all of those places to settle in New Jersey. New- What's better than New Jersey, Laura? Nothing. New Jersey rules. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, Something has to be between Philadelphia and New York. Something has to be there. And it's all Jersey. And some of the nice parts of Jersey, you know, like, you know, Princeton and, and Cape May and stuff. That stuff's pretty, right? Yeah. Cape right. May is not between Philadelphia it's not, and New no, York. No, it's super south. Like, definitely south and way, way east. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, have you seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love with Julie Roberts? Um, I saw I think- like half of it at the gym once. Which, yeah, I think I have yeah. seen it in part, uh, perhaps on an airplane. That sounds about right. I have a vague memory of being mostly asleep, so an airplane seems to make sense. <laughs> right. Um, I think it was a reasonable success, but not like proportionally speaking, not as big, big a success as the book. I think it came out in 2010, I want to say, about four yeah. years after after the Trying to book ride the out. wave of the best-selling right. book. Exactly. Um, okay. So I'm going to dive into the plot. Um, to be honest, it's a pretty not not a very plot based book. Um, it's because it's just sort of going from one thing to the next. The first section is is detailing the um, dissolution of her marriage and her relationship with this guy after she got divorced. Um, it's kind of in like a semi diary style. Um, there's, I want to say, what is it, 108 chapters divided into three sections, so 36 chapters in each of the three sections. And some of them start with things like, today I did such and such, but not all of them start that way. So I think that she was certainly writing as she was on the course of this journey, but I think she did some pretty major editing afterwards. It's not... But it's she not, kept everything in the present tense. Yes, right? definitely. Yes. Um, or... No, but like sort of the immediate past tense, you know, like it didn't seem like it was just remember it didn't, it didn't read like a memoir. It read like diary. Like the way from- that I would tell you that this morning I had a meeting and yes. then I got my coffee. <laughs> right. Except it's she's past in the ashram tense, but in India. And- yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. it's far more exotic than the coffee <laughs> cart in the eye hospital across the street from my office. <laughs> um, so the first section is Italy. Um, so, OK, that's the so eat part. That's the eat part. Um, so the three sections are Italy, India, and Indonesia, um, which represent, respectively, um, pleasure, devotion, and balance. Okay. So or eat, pray, eat, and pray, love. and love. Yes. <laughs> um, so she goes to Italy pretty much just because she's always wanted to. She always wanted to learn to speak Italian and live in Italy. Um, Fun fact: she has a Pinterest board. Uh, and one of the boards is all about Rome. That sounds about right. Um, I'm will I listen. I'm going to sound a little salty during some of this report because it is it is self indulgent. Like she was in a position to be self indulgent, and I'm not like there's nothing wrong with that. Like more power to her if she was in a place to do that for herself. But like I'm not, and I'm jealous, so I'm going to be kind of snarky about it. So just like brace yourself for that. Um, I've always wanted to go to Italy and I like it's unclear if that's something that's going to like happen for me in my life. So I'm just like crazy jealous that she just got to like live in Rome for four months and just like write and eat. And that was literally it. She got to write and eat. Oh, and study Italian. Three things. And so 
if I sound bitter, it's because I am, because that sounds awesome. And that's not something I'm going to be able to do because I'm not like a famous journalist. I'm a social worker. You could um, probably visit Italy. Sure. But for like five days. OK, yeah. not for four months to like go to Milan and Naples and wherever else. Um, also, she goes to like zero museums. She even she mentions that she doesn't go to any museums in the end, which is like fine if that's not what you're into. Like, I'm into museums, I'm and that offends me that she would not go to any. It makes because Europe sad. is really like, old, and they've got really good museums. The art in Italy is like top notch, dude. Like it cannot be beat. And like, not to negate what she was doing for herself, but if I was in Italy for four months, it would be wall to wall museums, um, like pretty much museums, and and like to a sl- somewhat lesser degree, food are pretty much the only reasons I ever want to go anywhere. So the fact that she didn't go to any is sad to me, but she, she does w- do a lot of eating of pasta and drinking of, of wine, pasta. if I recall. Yes, Pots, both of which pasta, we both enjoy. Pizza and wine, and gelato and cream puffs. Mm, gelato, you, you can't Delicious. argue with it. You really cannot. Um, so you know, she when she goes to Italy, you know, when she starts this part of the trip, she's um, super depressed. You know, she's post two relationships. Um, and she's super like skinny and depressed and miserable and just trying to like reinstate like happiness and pleasure and enjoyment in her life, which, um, is not something that she has experienced in a while because she was going through a, um, very negative, um, kind of vicious sounding divorce where he pretty much, I mean, according to her, um, report and this might not be 100% accurate, um, he kind of took everything like he took both of the houses and like all the money. Um, so she was kind of in a bad place. And so she I, she went to Italy to learn Italian because she'd always wanted to. And she ended up just eating the entire time, which does sound pretty good. Um, she Yeah, meets, that doesn't sound half bad at all. It doesn't. Um, I mean, the depression part is bad. Yeah, the, but the. So she reports that she has a history with uh, taking antidepressants for her depression, but she kind of stops taking them over the course of her stay in Italy and later India, I think, um, with uh, very positive results for her because she just eats pasta instead of taking her like Prozac. Those are not made of the same ingredients. No, they're not. I mean, I'm not a pharmaceutical <laughs> rep, but I'm pretty sure Prozac is not made of flour and water and yeah, a little and bit of egg. Something, whatever they've got. That's sort of the beginning of some of my frustrations with some of her uh, like actions. Um, there's a lot of very new agey, um, earth mothery kind of stuff that she does, which works for her, and that's fine. But it seems. It seems very anti-Western medicine, anti-Western ideas and you know antidepressants have helped a lot of people and are critically important for a lot of people so that to me just seemed sort of um just flip you know um that instead you should just like go to italy (laughs) like that's not an option for for most people I'm, i'm glad whatever worked for her i'm glad that worked for her but it just seemed a little um simplistic yeah so that was my first sort of like okay well Okay. Okay, uh, Liz. <laughs> she meets a lot of like cool people. 
Um, and she she makes a really big point of not having sex with anybody while she's in Rome, which I guess is a really big deal because people in Rome like to have sex a lot. And the fact that she is abstinent or celibate, celibate is the word she uses, is um, like a a conscious decision in a way that it wouldn't be she's saving herself for the pasta yeah like like that that the the pleasure of food is supposed to subsume any other kind of pleasure or something i don't know um i guess it's a more pure or chaste kind of enjoyment than the enjoyment of you know more carnal things um so you know that's just part of her journey and that's fine but she she makes a really big deal about it um so most of my experience with reading this first section is purely just like jealousy, um, just like <laughs> bitterness and jealousy, because I, I love Italian food and um, I've never been to Italy. Have you ever been to Italy? I have not. Have you ever been anywhere in Europe? Yes. Where have you been in Europe? Um, I have been to London. Okay. Um, not I... known for its cuisine. No. <laughs> um i have been to greece and albania good food yes uh greece was the first place that i ever had ice cream on top of a belgian waffle that sounds great delicious amazing um and let's see have i been anywhere else i've been to france uh paris so definitely had some good food there but i will say french food is very complicated and very like butter based and I oh, that's why I love French food. Yeah, I, yeah, it was still amazing. Just put don't more butter wrong. on it. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. After a while, it was just too rich for me. After a while, I just wanted like a salad, and like, I don't know. I, I think get. Yeah, I think Italy would agree with me more. Italy, Rome especially, but Italy in general is number one on the places I want to go in my life. Um, so she, um, she does that. She makes a lot of really, like, beautiful connections with people. There's a really nice scene, I must say, where she goes to a, um, like, a birthday party. And they all just, like, stay up till five in the morning and just, like, cry about how beautiful, like, friendship and life is while they've had a few too many glasses of wine, which is something I've done on many occasions. So I... I I mean, I've done that, too, but not with someone that I met in a foreign country that speaks a different language. Right. That I've maybe only been there for a month or two. That's true. But I can... I could... I could get with that, you know, the... um, the the connection with people and wanting to you know express how much that means to you in a difficult time in your life um so i like that that was nice um so that's italy like i must like it's the it's a three about a 300 page book so about 100 pages of this book are just descriptions of food um and wine did it make you hungry well yeah but that's kind of par for the course for me i'm always hungry Um, I don't know if that was the book's fault. (laughs) Um, so then we go to India where she's in an ashram, uh, for four months. Um, do you know what an ashram is? Not by definition. I don't really either. Like it seems, it seems like it's just like a compound where everyone's following a certain, uh, guru. Um, but the guru is not actually there. There's like this 
Indian uh, woman who is some sort of Hindi uh, leader, uh, that they're all sort of meditating in her style, but she's never actually there. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's Usually fun. you hear about it with people, or at least I have usually heard about it with people who are studying yoga. Yes. The practice of yoga, that they would go to an ashram to study with a particular yogi, I think is the correct word. Yes, that is correct. I could be totally wrong. I believe um, they use the word yogi, yes. You know, and that they spend time there in meditation and the physical practice and things like that. Did she, I don't recall, did Elizabeth Gilbert, did she have like any strong sense of religion before she went? She was raised, um, I want to say Episcopalian, some sort of very white denomination. Sure. And uh, she made some revelations about just a more general sort of mysticism. There's this very elaborate or uh, emotional scene in the India chapters where she, I don't know how to describe it. She has like the spiritual awakening in the sense of she thinks she's transported into the mind of God and like hangs out with him for a while while she's in meditation. Okay. Okay. I'm a very like... I'm like 80% like skeptical slash practical. So, (laughs) (laughs) so this section to me is sort of like, okay. Um, It just, I don't know. There's something a little bit cultish about it that makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't know. What do you think? But you're also not, you're not a religious person yourself, correct? Not on a day-to-day basis. No, I have a healthy sense of like wonder you know what I mean about mm-hmm. like humanity and and just the natural world and stuff. But but I, you weren't yeah. raised going to synagogue on Saturday. No, I, I was for... raised going to church. I went to church. I'm a confirmed United Methodist, despite the fact that my last name is Rosenberg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, on a day to day practice basis, no, I don't have a lot of immediate religious uh, experiences. What about you? Do you go to church and stuff? Do you, like, yeah, that... actually, both my parents are ministers. Yeah, that's a thing. Yep. Um, so religion's a big part of <laughs> the Van Tassel family. Um, you know, every every Sunday growing up, um, I'm baptized, I'm confirmed, I'm still a member of the church in Iowa where my parents pastor. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I don't attend a church in Philadelphia regularly, but mm-hmm. there are a few that I do go to when I go. Um, and uh, I think I struggle. To, this is a very unique struggle that I think only other pastor's children will understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle to listen to other people preach and lead sermons and services uh, because I grew up listening to my parents. To your do parents. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a very different way of just sort of approaching worship. Um, yeah. But I would, I am a Christian, and I would say that I am a faithful person. Mm-hmm. Um, and given working in theater and and living on the East Coast, I am now surrounded by a bunch of people with wide ranges of religious and spiritual feelings and beliefs. Right. Um, which I 
was not surrounded by that sort of mix of folks sure. when I read this. So I wonder if maybe this section might read a little differently to me now. Sure. Knowing people who, you know, sort of... Who are different, who subscribe look Subscribe to way. a more Eastern thinking, the ashram meditation kind of jam. Yeah, I, I have been jam. told multiple times in my life that I should try meditation because I have some like low grade anxiety that I just sort of live with all the time. And I have been told that this would be good for that. And I just don't because like, <laughs> I don't know, because I'm busy, um, which is apparently the worst reason ever to not meditate. Um, I think that's actually a reason to meditate. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the thing that they say that like, you should meditate for 10 minutes a day unless you don't have time, in which case you should meditate for an hour a day, um, <laughs> which is probably true. Um, I've never tried to meditate. It's uh, It sounds really hard. Uh, I have a really hard time getting my brain to be quiet, um, which is something that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about uh, quite a bit, especially at the beginning of this section, about having, having a lot of trouble getting her brain to be quiet and just at peace and and everything um and it is interesting because it is written in this sort of semi-diary style um how she progresses in the ability to quiet her mind um it's actually really nice that towards the end she's she you can tell from her writing how much calmer and more at peace she is um of course she's just spent four months eating italian food so i feel like that also would help with my just general <laughs> anxiety level um <laughs> a lot of carbs yeah a lot of carbs you just get sleepy after mm-hmm. you eat that many carbs very relaxed mm-hmm. um they she she tells a really nice story there's a one really my favorite section of that of the india um uh third of the book is um there's a chant that they do every morning called the Gura Gita. Uh, which apparently is a nightmare and takes a really long time and is really hard and she hates doing it. Um, And she like tries every way she can to get out of doing it, you know, like finding other things to do during that time of day at the ashram um, and just making excuses left and right to the the higher ups, uh, the other uh, yogi, I guess you would call them. Um, And then she, uh, for some reason, she makes... She she gets locked in her room one morning and she can't get to it and she makes a pr- profoundly huge effort to get to it, even though she hates it so much, because that's what you do. Like, that's part of the devotion experience. And she um, I guess so because of the time difference, her family, her sister and her sister's children are um, the time that she's doing this chant is um the children's bedtime and so she like makes it this thing where she's like chanting her nephews to sleep and it's actually very very sweet um you know I don't like and then there's this whole thing where like she talks to her sister and her sister says that her nephews um fell asleep a lot faster than usual for like a month or something while she was you know saying this chant to them um while she was in India and I don't know if I buy that exactly but it's a nice you know it's it's very it's a nice idea it's a really beautiful idea um that the sort of spirituality of that is still tied to sort of these earthly things Um, yeah to the people who maintain importance in her life mm -hmm, exactly um so that was really nice um 
Yeah. Have you ever had any experiences with meditation? I, yeah, like I said before, it's not something that I've ever really tried. Um, I don't particularly enjoy yoga. Um, it's too still for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the sort of meditative practice that I enjoy more is Pilates, um, okay. because it's a more constant motion activity. Um, that I think focuses your energy in a similar way uh, to meditation. Uh, you're focusing on your body and on your breath. Um, and I do find that it kind of calms mm-hmm. my my brain. Um, I'm a very sleepy person <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, so I think that if I were to uh, try a like sit and meditate scenario, um, I might actually fall asleep fairly regularly, uh, which would be bad if I was supposed to meditate for 10 minutes and I slept for 90. Um, I don't think that that would go over quite well in my schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do know that, you know, a, a lot of people find it super beneficial um, or uh, and even maybe don't go as far as to call it meditation, but call it mindfulness, mm-hmm. like starting your day with a sort of mindful nature, um, sort of centering yourself and readying yourself for the day um, that I think you can do in a number of ways. Um, You know, you said that she kind of writes this as a diary. I think there are a number of people who journal at the beginning of days to to sort of really center themselves. My mother is one of those people. I've never been super great at journaling or (laughs) I always wish I was I'm terrible at it I cannot (laughs) build up any sort of like habit for it yeah and I think uh I find myself a little bit jealous of Elizabeth Gilbert for not only the trip that she got to go on but that she now has this like impeccably edited best-selling version of her journal um, yes that she can read whenever she wants and relive yeah. the great parts of her uh, trip. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And I wish she would write my journals when I go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of sort of vicarious living that I think that I think that's part of the appeal of the whole book is the sort of living vicariously through this person um, for a lot of people who wouldn't have the ability to do that kind of thing. Um yeah, I, I would not say, like, I'm not jealous of the India part of this book the way I'm jealous of the, the Italy part of this book. I have no particular desire to go to an ashram. Um, but I will say that it's it's a nice idea of just this peacefulness that comes over her and her writing and clearly the way she feels after having spent all that time there. Um and she has these really nice stories about like the the other sort of misfit wanderers that she meets while she's there, um, you know, from all over the world, which is, you know, which is nice, a, a nice sort of idea. Um, my favorite part is um, she uh, she knows this um, Irish dairy farmer who learns, you know, these meditation techniques over a couple months or so. And then he goes home and he's going to tell his father who's, you know, an elderly Irish dairy farmer, um, about all this. And he says, you know, dad, uh, I would do an Irish accent, but that would be embarrassing. So I'm just going <laughs> to say in my voice, um, you know, uh, you, 
you've got to learn about this meditation. Uh, it's changed my life. It's amazing. And his father says, well, you know, why would I do that? And he says, you know, it calms your mind. It, 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 um, it's really helpful. It keeps your mind calm. And the father says, why would I do that, son? I've already got a calm mind. Um, which is such a nice like idea. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't have a calm mind. And Elizabeth Gilbert says that she does not have a calm mind. And um, this was um, just a really helpful way for her to make her mind calm. So I don't know, maybe it's something I'd give a try to. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm so afraid of failing at it. that I don't know if I would actually try it. Um, but yeah, so... So that's the India section, which is very dreamy. Like the India section is very dreamy. And aside from this one part where she just tries to describe her very surreal religious experience where she like believes she's transported onto God's palm, which is how she puts it. <laughs> um, that's a specific image. Very specific. Um It's just sort of this sort of dreamy meeting people and helping them achieve calmness and... Uh, equilibrium from their day-to-day lives um, and then she goes to Indonesia Bali specifically Indonesia is like an archipelago uh, nation most of which is Muslim I guess but Bali is Hindu um, and the ashram that she'd been in before is also Hindu and she is there to specifically there to study with a medicine man which is an assignment she'd been given by her publisher, I guess. Um, and she studies his, you know, medicine man knowledge, but mostly she just shacks up with this Brazilian dude, um, which is great for her. Again, very just the whole trip just seems too perfect. You know, it all just seems so, so problem solvingly perfect. Yeah, she doesn't seem to have a lot of struggle. Yeah, it all in just her works travel. Out, like know? the struggle is before the trip, right? And um, it's the trip is her dealing with the aftermath of that, as opposed to like there's a lot of things that can go quote unquote wrong when traveling internationally. Yes, uh, and she doesn't experience no. those. <laughs> she. She she mentions that, that like that it can be dangerous, but she also mentions that she just isn't afraid of that and she never was, um, which like, you know, that's nice for, for you, I guess. I'm glad that that has worked out. Um, I don't know. Like, it, I don't want to say that it's privileged because I know that she's had she's had a lot of mental health struggles and, inter, you know, personal struggles. So I don't want to make it seem like she doesn't understand that or that she doesn't, you know, work within the framework of that. But the whole thing is so just idyllic um, and unrealistic from so many people's perspective that it's kind of hard to get away from that. Um, I don't know. Like I said before, I feel like in 2006, people were more into that kind of thing than they maybe are even a few years later and now I feel like people are more cynical now about that kind of stuff from people who are, you know, wealthy enough to indulge in that kind of thing. So, so yeah, she goes to Bali and she just like hangs it on the beach and meditates and uh, has sex with this uh, Brazilian guy. Um, and that makes her happy. 
<laughs> sure. As it would. Uh, Endorphins make you happy. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And she, um, oh, and she also meets this medicine woman and her daughter who are like displaced um, people because the medicine woman is divorced, which is apparently not a thing in Bali. Like you can't just get divorced um, without having some really serious um, social repercussions. And so she's just uh, incredibly poor and um, uh, disenfranchised. And so Elizabeth Gilbert, like, basically roped in all of her fancy New York socialite journalist friends to, like, buy this woman a house, which is super great. Like, that's really, really awesome that she did that. I don't remember that part of the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. It's it's uh, it's. It's a little self-congratulatory, but, you know, she deserves that because that's a huge thing that she's done. Um, there's this kind of weird chapter where it seems like the woman is trying to, like, get more money out of her, even after she's already given her, like, $18,000, which is an untold sum of money in Bali, um, which I... And it's kind of strange because it's presented as sort of, like, when you've lived in poverty for that long, you don't really... Um, think of it the same way as just like taking it and moving on with your life she's still trying to like get stuff out of elizabeth you know uh liz gilbert um yeah during it's a it's a little imperialist i it was a little like stereotypical um but that was her you know that was her experience like almost pretty much everything that happened in this book that she wrote about in this book really happened to her so you know it that sort of is what it is um, there definitely are there's more than just that as an example of sort of um, these simple people kind of vibe which makes me a little a little iffy um, but I, I think it's meant with I don't think it's meant that way you know I think it's meant yeah. with kindness and and um, a really genuine love of those cultures so I, I'm trying not to be too cynical about it. <laughs> Have you ever traveled to any uh, less privileged um, areas of the world. I've been to Costa Rica. That's not like super impoverished, though. And I've been to the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is you know a tropical sort of place. And I think that the natives there don't have a lot in terms of resources. It's such a small island, though. It's hard to say exactly. Um, how about you? Have you ever been to places like that? Uh, yeah, the choir I. Uh, sang with in college um, right after uh, right around the time of my graduation uh, we went to South Africa oh wow Um, and there's I've always wanted to go there that's awesome it's it's a beautiful country um, and there is a pretty wide range of economic status or Mm -hmm. advantage or however whatever the correct way to say that is yeah Um, and I think uh, we were at an advantage because the reason we were there was musical. Sure. Um, and music is something that I think really transcends a lot of barriers. Yeah, uh, be that, you know, economic and language. And um, so we sang at, an, a, you know, an, a center for patients with AIDS that well, were definitely not ever going to get the Western help that was going to alleviate any of their pain um and we sang in the upstairs uh living space of like a hotel that was basically made out of you know corrugated cardboard and pieces of metal and 
And then we sang in a beautiful church and we, you know, did all of these very, we sang in all of these really different places. Did you sing South African music? Predominantly, no. Mm -hmm. We were singing a lot of Western music. Um, and when I was in college, I we sang a lot of South African music, interestingly, um, because our um, the choir director of the of the choir that I and Andrew and Craig uh, of Overdue, uh, we all sang in choir together. The podcast and that we are doing. Yes, Overdue <laughs> podcast. You may be familiar with it. Um, we all sang in choir together, and um, the director was sort of a, a um, not a, I don't know if we would say a scholar, but certainly an aficionado of South African music. He'd been to Johannesburg several times, so we always sang a couple of South African music, uh, South African pieces in our concerts. It's I mean it's amazing music. A lot of it's very um, sort of uh, apartheid resistance based mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, which is a really lot of it's very moving. inspirational. Yes, even not knowing like I don't speak Afrikaans. Um. Neither do I. I have sung in Afrikaans, <laughs> which is not the same thing. But, uh. um, but you know, when, when we would sing something and a group of individuals would want to sing back to us, we didn't mm -hmm. necessarily need to know the language that they were singing in to understand their mentality. Um, so... I guess now that I said it out loud, I think maybe Gilbert's sort of understanding or feeling connection to these simpler lives. Yeah. Um, I guess I can understand a little bit because I was, I have been with people very different from me and felt connection to them sure. through something that I, that I knew, mm -hmm. you know, and for me that was music and and song and for her it was meditation or it was giving or the gift of, general of spirituality or, yeah 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 I, I i i find myself as i said before i find myself being very cynical about this book because it all just seems too perfect it all seems too like pat and neat when in a world that's so complicated with this kind of thing specifically with like the the um, economic divides and cultural divides that come into this situation. Um, but she seems so genuine in it, you know? She seems so just genuinely loving everything that she saw and making connections with people um, that even my cynicism <laughs> couldn't really stand up to it. Um, so I, I was wondering, Laura, if you had to... If you had the opportunity, I should say, to go to three countries to find yourself over the course of a year, what countries would you choose? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> Not putting on the spot at all. Whatever. They'll fix it in post. I think in a bit of a maybe selfish, privileged vein, because I have been to Europe and I have been to Africa and I have been to Asia. I think I would like to go to Australia or New Zealand mm -hmm. as one of those places, um, especially given the beauty of the land and the nature that I understand to be there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I th think that I would also love to go to South America. Um, sure. My mother has been to South America um, and I know has had wonderful experiences there meeting people. I don't have a specific country in mind, mm -hmm. but just like general region yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
Like I, I must say that just from just from a, a bucket list perspective, Italy is really high on my list. Um, and I feel like for me, I would need to go somewhere that I was really frightened of because I'm kind of, just because I'm kind of an anxious person, and I feel like I would need to go somewhere where I have absolutely no frame of reference for like the language or the culture. Um, just to maybe you should go to India. Yeah, India, right, or like China or somewhere just really not familiar in any way um somewhere where i would have no real assurance that people even spoke english um just to i feel like that would be a a useful thing for me to do in my life i don't know that i ever actually will but if someone were paying me and i were a journalist and i had that opportunity then maybe i would make that a point of something to do in my life um but yeah i i in terms of the like religious or spiritual journey aspect i really don't know what i would do um that's a tough one for me uh, i have sort of come to terms with where i where i feel like i fit in in the spiritual spectrum and i'm not in a huge hurry to like upend that <laughs> but maybe that's why people do that kind of thing to to prove that sort of stuff to themselves you know yeah now you'll have me thinking about where I would want to go <laughs> and what I would hope to learn mm-hmm. about myself and the world yeah. as it relates to me right? or as I relate to it. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely understand why people responded so strongly to this book and why it became so popular so fast, because it's, it's sort of voyeurism and um, uh, vicarious pleasure but it really speaks to people, you know, it speaks to the human condition of wanting to just do something completely unfamiliar and and branch out in a way that's uncomfortable in a lot of ways to a lot of people. Though I will say Elizabeth And Gilbert, find comfort in that, yeah. you know, the friends that she made in Italy and the, the comfort she found at the ashram and then the companion that she mm-hmm. found in is, Bali. Yeah. yeah. And they're still married, again, which is very sweet, I think. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, it would be really unfortunate if she had another messy yeah, divorce. That would be bad. Um, my aunt was telling me when I told her I was reading this book that apparently there was a large influx, you know, when this book was published immediately after, there was an influx of tourism to Bali. And when people were giving their reason for wanting to go to Bali, they said specifically that it was to find a Brazilian boyfriend, which like, oh, if you want to go on the other side of like the reasons why one should go to a place, I think that that's a pretty good example. So, yeah, good job. Interesting. Good job, humanity. <laughs> Way to miss the point. Yeah. Um, All right. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever makes y'all happy. Um, so, uh, I'm glad I read it. Um, it was, I, I was a little more frustrated with it than I thought I was going to be, but I'm still glad that I, that I, um, sort of experienced that journey with her as corny as that sounds, because I know that it meant a lot to her. And, um, and I've I've read like interviews and, and heard podcasts with her, um, not it was expressly in reference to Eat, Pray, Love, but just in terms of her just general, spiritual status um after having done that and i must say she seems very balanced uh at this point in her life and i know that that had a lot to do with her experience doing this so yeah 
Yeah. Good job, Elizabeth Gilbert. Way to find yourself in a way to find yourself and write a book that helped a lot of people and make a learn lot of things money about the themselves. Yeah. Good job. And good job writing a book that made Susanna a little bit irritated, but overall <laughs> it seems understanding of your travels and your lessons that you taught yourself. Good job. <laughs> Great good job, job Liz. <laughs> good job, Liz. Um, so if you want to follow this podcast on Twitter, you should go to twitter.com slash overdue pod. On Facebook, it is facebook.com slash overdue pod. Overdue pod. Overdue pod. Uh, yeah, you got it. Uh, uh, maybe you could share with Craig and Andrew uh, the three places that you would go if yes. you had uh, unlimited funds to be able to go on a self-indulgent uh, and, uh, and... And self-seeking... Self-seeking uh, journey. Whatever thing. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be thrilled to hear about it. And they'd yeah. probably share it with us and we'd be thrilled to hear about it as well. You could um, also uh, provide them uh, with all of the places they should take their wives um, in the yeah. world. Thank uh, you. Because they love us. Mm-hmm. Uh if you're not interested in putting all that information on Facebook or on Twitter, you could send them an email uh, to overduepod at gmail.com. The website for the podcast, if you are not already familiar, is uh, overduepodcast.com. Uh, there there are links to the iTunes page um, and the Amazon links to the books that have been read and will be read. And the RSS um, feed, which I don't know what that means, Laura. I don't know what an RSS feed is, but every week they mention it, so... Yeah, so RSS feed. Do that. Yeah, do um, that. Oh, and um, write them iTunes reviews because that makes them happy. Yeah, it makes them rise in the ranks. Um, and then uh, Craig waves his uh, computer or his phone or whatever technical device he happens to have in his hand at me when they get a, a higher rating in yep. the iTunes store. And then so they text each other. Go for ahead and do that. And ignore us. It's great. Um, they are hosted on Spreaker. Um, the podcast network network is headgum. And, um, if you would like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash overdue pod. If you feel inclined to provide cash funds for this excellent endeavor and, uh, yeah, we have been happy to talk to you guys. Hopefully this episode wasn't a disaster. <laughs> and Laura and Craig are getting married really soon. By the time this episode, by the goes time up, this goes up, we will be married. be married. Unless Laura comes to her senses and decides to call the whole thing off. There's a lot of deposits that it would be really hard to get back at this point. It, yeah, <laughs> in terms of the financial obligations, it's probably not worth it. So. Yeah. yeah, we've made it this far together. I think I'll, 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 yeah. I'll go chips all in on this one. Uh, all right. Well, that's good because I already took time off work and I can't get that time back. So, <laughs> well, I'm we could always just it. watch Coyote Ugly on repeat yes. for the entire weekend that you took off from work. That sounds awesome. If this whole thing falls through, Laura, that is absolutely what we're going to do. You, me, Piper Paraboo, and Leanne mm-hmm. Rhymes all weekend uh, long. And Tyra Banks. And Tyra and, Banks. And Maria Bello and the girl who played Big's wife for like five episodes on Sex and the City. She's in it too. Oh, yeah. That skinny brunette. The skinny brunette. Uh, She's like I don't a model her or name something. In either Sex and the City or Coyote Ugly. I but think in Sex and the City, her name's Natasha. Natasha. Got it. 
Solid work. Okay, so... Um, this has been your episode with references to a bunch of really girly things that Craig and Andrew don't talk about, like Coyote <laughs> Ugly. Uh, so until next week, when Craig and Andrew will be back, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.